the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. Welcome back. Happy Friday, March 11th, 2022. A little political and cultural potpourri today. On this day, 81 years ago, President Roosevelt signed the Lend-Lease Act to help our great ally, Great Britain. Maybe we're thinking a bit about, in two contexts, Ukraine and Afghanistan. It's interesting, too, to consider the following. Russia is involved heavily in every country I just mentioned, in Lend-Lease, in Ukraine, and in Afghanistan, with lessons to teach us all around, lessons I'm not sure we've learned. When he signed the Lend-Lease bill, President Roosevelt said the following, quote, suppose my neighbor's home catches fire and I have a length of garden hose four or five hundred feet away. If he can take my garden hose and connect it up with his hydrant, I may help him to put out his fire. Now, what do I do? I don't say to him before that operation, neighbor, my garden hose cost me $15. You have to pay me $15 for it. What is the transaction that goes on? I don't want $15. I want my garden hose back after the fire is over. All right. If it goes through the fire all right, intact, without any damage to it, he gives it back to me and thanks me very much for the use of it. But suppose it gets smashed up, holes in it, during the fire. We don't have to have too much formality about it, but I say to him, I was glad to lend you that hose. I see I can't use it anymore. He says, how many feet of it were there? I tell him, there were 150 feet of it. He says, all right, I'll replace it. Now, if I get a nice garden hose back, I'm in pretty good shape. In other words... If you lend certain munitions and get the munitions back at the end of the war, if they are intact, haven't been hurt, you're all right. If they have been damaged or have been deteriorated or been lost completely, it seems to me you've come out pretty well if you have them replaced by the fellow to whom you have lent them, close quote. Who has been on the side of lending and giving hoses to the Ukrainians and who has treated Ukraine like an ATM and sends mixed signals by the month, if not the week? What mixed signals, you may ask? Well, How about bragging about strong-arming and threatening the Ukrainians to fire prosecutors in order to receive economic aid to the United States, but then supporting impeachment of a successor president for actually sending serious economic and military aid to Ukraine while asking, not conditioning, not strong-arming, asking Ukrainians for help in investigating corruption here as they would have certain intelligence on it? How about supporting the sending of MiGs from Poland and then not? You want two awful NBC headlines? Here's March 5th headline, quote, U.S. in talks with Poland on deal to send fighter jets to Ukraine, close quote. Here's March 9th headline, quote, Biden administration rules out transfer of Polish fighter jets to Ukraine, close quote. You get in the sense maybe the left hand doesn't know what the far left hand is doing in this administration? How about stating sanctions, which state, stating sanctions would not include Russian oil in the United States, and then did, weeks after the invasion? How about making grand claims against tyranny in the State of the Union, statements such as the opening last week that President Biden delivered, quote, Throughout our history, we've learned this lesson. When dictators do not pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos. They keep moving 
and the costs and the threats to America and the world keep rising, close quote. And yet he lies, as his administration immediately went hat in hand to Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to fill our oil needs. And in going to Iran, trying to appease them to A, not build nuclear weapons by paying them off, also known as paying ransom to terrorists, and B, perhaps trying to get some of their oil. On the Venezuela front, this president even went to the non-recognized communist leader of the country to help America. Who's the country that's in charge here? Who's standing by their principles and who's compromising their principles? The mullahs, Putin, the Saudis, and Nick Maduro have not come our way, liberalized or altered their hardened dictatorial ethics. We, however, in trying to appease and unwelcome them, are doing it by the day. And we ask why Putin sees us as a paper tiger or why China does. They harden, we soften. Of course, we've been hell-bent on weakening ourselves internally for decades. First, we condemn ourselves by teaching ourselves how rotten we are. Then we punish our citizens first by depriving them of work and exploitation of resources we refuse to tap to make life better and easier here, never mind building tens of thousands of jobs. Also, we can go to other enemies of America for those very resources we say we cannot tap into here because immoral. Blame America first, punish America first, and trade in each and every value we say we stand for. All the while claiming not to understand why someone like Putin or Xi Jinping doesn't take us seriously. Item. Do, know, do people know Hong Kong was lost? Foreign Policy magazine opens an article on the issue this way. Quote, Hong Kong is dead, or at least the rule of law and civil liberties there is. The imposition of China's wide-ranging national security law enforced by mainland security agents empowered to drag suspects off to the mainland for trial makes any criticism of both Hong Kong and China deeply dangerous. Even foreigners will have to act as if they are living in the People's Republic of China. Close quote. Even foreigners here. I give you the NBA. All of this took place under our noses as North Korea got the nuclear bomb under our noses, as Pakistan did under our noses. But we are told China will not take Taiwan. Maybe Joe Biden can again state publicly, quote, China going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. I mean, you know, they're not bad folks, but guess what? They're not competition for us, close quote. Item, if there is one company identified with being fun for, if not good for children, is, any, is there one more identifiable than Disney? The head of the company tried to browbeat Ron DeSantis into not signing legislation banning the teaching of sexual and gender-changing themes to five- and six- and seven-year-olds. DeSantis fought back. And the employees of Disney sent a public letter stating, quote, We call on the leadership to immediately withdraw all financial support from the legislators behind the Don't Say Gay bill to fully denounce this legislation publicly and to make amends for their financial investment. Close quote. If you looked for the words don't or say or gay or any euphemism or synonym for gay in the legislation, you won't find it. It's not a bill that bans the use of the word, and it's not a bill that in any way aims at homosexuals any more than it aims at heterosexuals. It stops sex and gender ideation and education or propaganda, if you prefer, being instructed, given to five and six and seven-year-olds in the public classroom. 
It's as anti-gay as Mary Poppins is, which is to say in that it doesn't teach our youngest of children the merits and benefits of transgenderism or homosexuality. It is anti-gay, as I guess would be Mary Poppins, Disney. Disney is not on your side any more than the public school professionals are, in most cases. I suppose when you throw your hands up and give up on teaching literacy and math, you have few places elsewhere to go other than sexual sociology for children. I'll remind 35% of fourth graders in Florida cannot read. Less than 30% are are proficient in reading. But let's give them sex and gender-changing education. Just as when Democrats have given up on teaching the goodness of our country or just the history of our country without an ideological, read, Marxist lens, you get a poll that shows a majority of Democrats will not fight for this country if it is invaded. We had that poll this past week, if I can remind. And no, not from Fox or Rasmussen or Zogby, but from the fully non-ideological Quinnipiac University polling organization. What's interesting to me about that is until yesterday, we never thought we would be destroyed by invasion. Abraham Lincoln put it this way, quote, Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined with all the treasure of their earth and their military chest with a bone apart for a commander could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected, he asked. Quote, I answer, if it ever reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Close quote. We must be its author and finisher. Well, we have the authors. Think about it. The Democrats won't fight on behalf of this country against an invading force, they tell us. No need, I suppose, when you are the force and already here and render nugatory the need of an invading force to take us over. Once we thought Howard Zinn was problematic as the history textbook in most of our schools, but as Shakespeare reminds, you cannot say this is the worst if you can actually say this is the worst. And so we got critical race theory and the New York Times changing our founding date to change our founding so that it would no longer be about the quest for equality and freedom as those who founded us thought it was, and as we labored subsequently to make it so, but rather so that our founding would be about slavery and misery. So why should we be surprised there are large parts of our population that, thank you very much, would rather not like to fight for slavery and misery? You know who has no self-doubt about the righteousness, never mind the rightness of their cause? All the other countries we've mentioned so far today, from Russia to China to Venezuela to Iran to Saudi Arabia. We really don't need to scratch our heads. The left, after all, isn't. They know what they are doing, and we are just figuring it out. C.S. Lewis put it this way in The Abolition of Man, quote, For every one pupil who needs to be guarded from a weak excess of sensibility, there are three who need to be awakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate just sentiments. 
By starving the sensibility of our pupils, we only make them easier prey to the propagandist when he comes. For famished nature will be avenged, and a hard heart is no infallible protection against a soft head. Close quote. Cold vulgarity. Interesting phrase. Leo Strauss reminds us the Greek word for vulgarity is aperokalia. That means the lack of experience in things beautiful. And recall the title of C.S. Lewis's book, from which I just quoted, The Abolition of Man. As Thomas More put it, I show you the times. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, brought to you live from the Guns Etc. <coughs> studios. Excuse me. Sorry about that. <coughs> I swallowed wrong. <clears throat> better now. Getting better. Getting better all the time. I want to talk to you a little bit about the omnibus, uh, omnibus bill spending package, $1.5 trillion, that um, was just approved in Washington, D.C. More money uh, for Ukraine to protect uh, their uh, sovereignty than uh, is being sent to us, uh, which is itself a scandal. Um, a lot more money, of course, to the IRS, hundreds of millions of dollars to the IRS. Why are Republicans voting for this? Why are Republicans voting to increase the strength of the IRS? I'll get to some of the other stuff in a moment. But when I heard this news earlier this morning, how far has this party traveled? I mean, I understand. Maybe, maybe this is something you guys can call in on if you want. I understand there's a lot of different kinds of Republicans, and I understand the casual conversations that take place between family, friends, and maybe even acquaintances and people that don't quite know each other very well when they say, well, I'm a Republican, but I'm a, I'm a Republican, but I'm a, or I'm a conservative, but I'm a, usually it's What's the variant you most often hear? Well, yes, I'm a Republican, but I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Well, this ain't even fiscal conservative. That's the default, by the way, to say you're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. We can get into all that. That's why I keep thinking I need to write a book on what it means to be a Republican. There are all these books about what it means to be a conservative. Maybe we need a book on what it means to be a Republican. The Republican Party, after all, at least so far, has been the vehicle, the pipeline, if you will, for delivering conservatism at a political, tangible, real level. The Republican Party is there to reify conservatism, among other things. What other ideology animates it? So, yes, while we talk about the wholesale product, an awful lot, conservatism, shouldn't we be talking also about the retail and how it comes to you, the mass, the, the mass voting public, the Republican Party. Maybe we need to define what it means to be because that weakest of weak comments, I'm a fiscal conservative but a social liberal, really has no history, has no foundation in the origins of the Republican Party. Maybe it does in the conservative movement, but it doesn't in the Republican Party. 
and I would argue it doesn't in the conservative movement, but just as a historical fact, the Republican Party was founded on both fiscal and social, in fact, more social conservatism, non-libertinism, non-libertarianism. But let's just take that modern, fashionable use of that phrase, well, I'm a fiscal con- How many re- – take it the other way. How many Republicans do you- – I didn't think I'd be talking about this, but how many Republicans or conservatives, you remember, Amanda, said, well, I'm a fiscal liberal but social conservative? You know where you used to find fiscal liberalism and social conservatism? A little bit in the Democratic Party. A little bit in the Democratic Party. Think about your George Wallace's, if you will. Think about those Southern Democrats. They were social conservatives and fiscal liberals. They loved the spigot of money. This is what Bill Buckley destroyed George Wallace on this very issue when he came on firing line the one time. Joe Biden can pretend and give speeches that the George Wallace's, that the Republican Party is the legatee of the George Wallace's. It isn't. But boy, I got to tell you, today's Republican Party gives a tap, of, uh, a tip of the hat to that concept, given those members who voted for this omnibus spending package, increasing the budget of the IRS that goes against every principle of tax reform. I don't care. I, you want to save money at the IRS? You want to do that? There are proposals that have been mapped out, that have been mathed out that have been economically worked out. And you could literally have income taxes done on a postcard, save the American taxpayer money, save government expenditures, and increase receipts to the federal government. You could do it. You could do it with the flat tax plan. You could do it with a lot of the fair tax plans I've looked at. I'm a flat tax person. I know this is when I will start getting a lot of emails and calls from the fair tax folks. I'm, I'm for anything that's for reforming this system on behalf of the American people. Flat tax, I don't know, 22 percent, 20 percent, standard deduction of 50000 70000 for anyone making under 250000 and that's it. That's it. And you don't need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars for compliance enforcement at the IRS and violate your very principles at the same time. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-5080-960 if you'd like to give us a call. Heritage Foundation gives you uh, some more headaches over the earmarks in the omnibus spending bill over $1.5 trillion passed last night. Plenty of Republican votes, including tax – excuse me, including uh, hundreds of millions of dollars spent to shore up, or as Anthony Bleakin likes to say, backfill the internal revenue service. Earmarks are back, David Schweikert told us yesterday. You want to hear a few of them? You'll like this. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren 
and her colleague Ed Markey put in a million dollars for grid resilience and equity in the energy transition research at the University of Massachusetts. Let me put it in quotes. Quote, grid resilience and equity in energy transition. Notice the word equity in the title. It means the left is going to redistribute redistribute taxpayer dollars to fix some perceived racist inequality in the energy system. Does it remind you of tree equity? Remember tree equity? This taxpayer funding will be used to promote, quote, fast and fair transition to a decarbonized energy system in the United States, close quote, by the Energy Transition Institute and a local utility company. I bet they're having a good day. The faculty director of the institute stated current, the current is stated, quote, the current energy system is inequitable, not just overseas, but here in the U.S. The energy system is racist, close quote. Love it. The energy system is racist. Work that out for me under the uh, dictionary we all grew up with and the term racism or racist. The current energy system, the energy system is racist. Okay, I will forgive anyone, I suppose, because of the cleverness of the left in America and the Democratic Party for talking about systemic racism and making that a neologism, making that neologism a phrase that has now suffused our culture, systemic racism. So I will forgive anyone who puts some kind of adjective in front of it to call it racist. If the entire system, warp and roof of America, if, the, if, if we suffer from systemic racism, well, why wouldn't the energy system be racist? Right, Bill? The whole country is. Why would the, why would the energy system be exempt? The entire education system is racist. The entire energy system is racist. The entire transportation system would be racist. The entire housing uh, and urban development system would be racist. The entire commerce department would be racist. Everything is – the energy system is racist. Under the old dictionary, if you read that, you would think, whoa, wait a minute. Where are we not – where in the energy sector in this country – Federal, state, or private enterprise, where, where, where are we discriminating in the hiring of employees or in the promotion of them? That would normally, as I say in the dictionary we all used to have, be the question or series of questions you would ask about something being called racist. Something being called racist. If it's someone, you would certainly look to their verbiage as much as to their actions. But since the energy system doesn't speak, doesn't have a spokesman that I know of, and certainly not the Secretary of Energy or any of the heads of major energy companies in America would say a racist thing, how is the system racist? Someone will tell me, I'm sure. To give them their full due, you know what they're saying, probably. And I just have never seen a study on it. But what they're probably saying is that um, the method of delivery, the method of delivery in certain underrepresented or minority neighborhoods or communities is um, not getting its fair share of wind or solar or, I don't know, geothermal or water energy. That's great. A million dollars to research to a research institute in Boston to deal with the problem of the energy system being racist. 
you know, they could pay me a third of that, a fourth of that, a tenth of that, and I could give them a page of talking points that would solve the whole thing. I really could. I could do it for a hundredth of it. I would do it for free. Elizabeth Warren just spent a million bucks for it. Of course, she's on the side of the working man. You know the working man who has a million bucks or 80 working men or 100 working men who could come together and give a million bucks to a university study, this racism of an energy system in America? I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, brought to you in part by the good folks at Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. I, I can't remember who the uh, – he has them on from time to time. Adam Carolla does. He has a, a health food expert on from time to time. He had one on this week. He has this – you remember – it doesn't matter. We don't have to use his name. But he was talking about <clears> – <throat> he was talking about going to a, a natural food conference recently. I think it was in Los Angeles. And he said, you know, all this plant-based stuff, it's ba- plant-based – but all this stuff he says he was the only thing with anything actually natural at the Natural Food Expo, which he said I think is the biggest in the, in the country, or at least in the in the Southwest. And um, I was thinking, you know, Balance of Nature would would qualify as all natural. It would it would qualify as that because that's all it is. It's just fruits and veggies, nothing else, no additives. It is broccoli, it is cabbage, it is cauliflower, it is garlic, garlic, it is cayenne pepper. And the capsules themselves, they're not plant-based. They're vegetarian. They're totally. There is nothing. They are plant. They are plant. There is nothing added to Balance of Nature's blend of 15 whole vegetables and 16 whole fruits. I take it every single day. It's kept me well for three years. encourage you to take a look at their fruits and veggies, too. Balanceofnature.com, their fruits and veggies. Make sure and put in discount code BALANCE, the word BALANCE in the discount code window for the best deal you can get. I'm talking about this omnibus bill from last night. And, um, yeah, we we spent a lot of money last night, over $1.5 trillion dollars. David, a listener here, just wrote me, just thinking, if the ideas of the left are indeed what the people want, why do they have to hide them in 2,700 pages omnibus packages? Great point. Great point. As Schweikert reminded us yesterday, understand, too, nobody, not one person has read the entire bill. Not one. It's impossible. It's impossible because of the way legislation is written. I don't know if you've ever tried to read a big piece of legislation, but it almost never is contained within the four corners of the page you're reading because it makes references to language in other provisions of other pieces of legislation. It changes words and refers to court explications of, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of other rules in the Code of Federal Regulations and other pieces of legislation, not just legislation, but yeah, the Code of Federal Regulation also, which is even bigger than the U.S. Code. So it's it's impossible to just, okay, give me the 2,700 pages, I'll read it over the weekend. You can't. You need to do cross-references and read really slowly and really carefully. You have to put teams together to read this stuff. They did this all in less than a week. 
I mentioned a bunch of Republicans who voted for it. You want to know who they are? They're Senators Barrasso, Wyoming, I think, Blunt, Capito, Collins, Cornyn, Ernst, Lindsey Graham, Charles Grassley, Hyde Smith, McConnell, Moran, Murkowski, Portman, Shelby, Thune, Tuberville, Wicker, and Young. So much for the old saying, I'm a fiscal conservative and social liberal, which never parsed in history anyway, as I pointed out a couple segments ago. But so much for that. I mean, if you can't even get fiscal conservatives, what's the point of having a Republican Party or someone who wants to call themselves a Republican? I've always I've always defined conservatism the way I've defined it, a million definitions. But it seems to me that at a minimum it's an economics of freedom and a sociology of virtue. Just le- le- let's start with the, the economics of freedom. You can't have it at this confiscatory rate that we have right now with the regulations and the taxes. And yet we just threw hundreds of millions of dollars more at the IRS to enforce compliance. And we gave a million dollars to solve the problem of the energy system being racist. Sherrod Brown got a half a million dollars for the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, which normally you would think, okay, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a museum. It's in Cincinnati, but it's a museum. And the Underground Railroad is worth studying, obviously. It's worth knowing about. It's a good history over a bad part of our history, all of it to be studied and learned about. It's vital to understanding our past. But that's not what these freedom centers or, uh, or museums are anymore. I want you to think about the Smithsonian as, as an example. That's not what they are anymore. They don't just engage in, it's as if their mission is to promote modern left-wing politics. So in the case of the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, it's actually lobbied in favor of the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which would give unelected federal bureaucrats the power to veto state election laws, overriding the choices of voters and legislators. The whole thing that gave rise to Joe Biden trying to get that John Lewis Voting Rights Act and libeling, slandering, really, defaming, if you prefer, the entire Republican Party that was against it, claiming they were on the side of George Wallace, claiming they were on the side of Bull Connor, claiming they were on the side of Jefferson Davis. That's, unfortunately, what the Railroad Underground Railroad Freedom Center is now promoting. The center also lobbies against uh, the banning of critical race theory, calling systemic racism a foundation of our nation since 1619. Boy, they learned the language, didn't they? They know all the right words. So we just gave half a million dollars to an organization that supports the teaching of the 1619 Project and believes America is systemically racist. Good work, that. Good work, that. 
Of course, there's money for other things as well. I'll get to that in a moment. Alan's in Phoenix. Alan, I had a feeling I might hear from you today. How are you, sir? Well, that's nice. Well, thank you. It's a beautiful day. It's a lovely day. That's why I thought I'd hear I'm, from I'm you. About, I'm about to engage in something that most months don't do, but I have to clean our bathroom before I, we go out later. That, that most what don't do? Men. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't husbands, know if that's husbands, true. Alan, I don't husbands, know that that's true. I just don't. Husbands. Uh, that is a value job. i got to take a quick break. Can you hang on? All we'll right, come right back to you. Thank you, brother. Okay. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Yeah, we may not know clouds here today. It's such a pretty day. Alan, thanks for your patience, brother. And uh, thanks for doing your uh, domestic engineering that you were bragging about in the last uh, segment. Hey, we're, we're all the better for it. At, at 35 years, dude, that's how I get Yeah, that. I get it. I'm on a, I get I'm on, I'm on a, a one-day one renewable contract. <laughs> yeah. So, Is there a notice clause? Is there a notice clause yeah, in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. After I reach a certain time of the day, if I haven't gotten my, you know, my card, I'm just yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. Um, um, what we're seeing is really the globalist left utilizing the worst of our political operation apparatchik to to commit to one point who knows dollars in ways that we have no idea. Nobody runs a business like this. Nobody runs anything like this, but the global left are running the American financial niceness right into the ground because they have at least enough idiotic votes to make it work. I mean, who... And taking Republican votes, hostages, it seems like. Who votes for a bill... Just common sense. No, I, I haven't read it. I can't vote yes or right. no for that. that and not, that's, by but, the way, what everyone who votes should say. I mean, I think that's your responsibility. A senator represents, you know, their constituents. Yeah. You can't vote for that. I, I, I think you're an ignoramus as a senator or a congressperson if you commit to a yes or no your, vote on this. Your, your lawyer you, represents you in negotiations, courts, whatever. Would you keep a lawyer who would approve or deny a contract he hadn't read or she hadn't read? Give me a break. And, is it, and as complicated as this is. And, and, and here's 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 how you end. It doesn't this. have to be. If we didn't do omnibus, no, it, it wouldn't be, be that no. complicated. Well, that's because that's how they work. Because they don't know how to do their jobs. Because they don't want to do. Their they jobs. don't want because, to do their jobs. Yeah. And 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 the the globalist left people who are in there know what their job is currently. Oh yes. Are, they got all, they they got a lot of it done. Yeah. Well, and our flaccid old party guys don't have any idea what to do, yep. how to stop it, and how. No, I, they don't know how to talk about it either. But I am, I am with you. I, I am, yeah. I, I am with you, brother. I'm with you. It's, it's, it's a challenge that um, I think you could stop it easily if you, if you use their own thing against them. Okay. I think you need to do. You have to have an environmental impact study of of these twenty seven thousand page bills. Um, <laughs> I like it, Alan. I like it. But then you know what? I worry. Here's here's the hitch. You have to see around these corners, Alan. Here's an angle you missed. You want the angle that you missed? Having then demonstrated the danger to the environment of the printing of these things, they'll just stop printing them under the under the defense that they don't get read anyway. 
that they don't get read anyway. How about stop doing them this way? How about going back to regular order? Alan, thank you. Bless you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.